0: At times on this show, we talk about investments and investment performance. Investment returns are not guaranteed, and past performance does not guarantee future results.
1: Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Happy weekend, everybody. I'm joined this morning by frequent guest Peter Mullen with American Consumer Credit Counseling. Good morning, Peter. How are you?
0: Good morning, Alyssa, and good morning, everybody. It's great to be here.
1: Good, happy to have you here as well. We always have lively, lengthy conversations, so I'm looking forward to it. And I think we're going to go in a we're going to go in a little bit of a different direction today, and I'm a little bit excited about it. I'm a lot excited about it because I don't think I've ever really gone in this direction on the show. And after I don't know, 15, 18 years of being on the show, it's nice when I come up with new ideas, and it's personally, mentally stimulating, and also, of course, hopefully helpful to the... the... Before we get started, do you want to give just a quick intro background, who you are and who ACC is?
0: Yeah, thank you. Again, Peter Mullen from American Consumer Credit Counseling. We're a nonprofit in the Newton area, but we serve all 50 states, the United States, which we're quite proud of because we have to have licensing in every state to do what we do. We provide free financial literacy, in many cases, free counseling. You can call our number to get that, by the way. And then the one thing that we offer in terms of debt is that we help people to get out of credit card debt. So that's one of our niche things that we do. Other than that, we just generally wanna help people, very much like your program, to help people to improve their financial lives.
1: Awesome, thank you. And Peter, you've been on the show with me multiple times now over several years and always appreciate the conversation. And you and I, we work with different clientele for the most part. So I think we approach things from different angles often. And I think that's really unique and helpful. So I always appreciate you having on and having you on the show and appreciate your time this morning. And almost gave out the wrong website for your organization, which I think I did last time, but it looks like it's consumercredit.com to dot com yeah, I think I made one up last time. I just made up a website. I don't know. Yep. But anyway, find out more about Peter's organization at consumercredit.com. Okay, the, t- I came, the title of the show this morning I came up with is Financial Mindset Analysis and Motivation. Now, I guess I'll, I was upfront that I'm not a mental, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a, a medical professional of any sort. So for me to analyze someone's mindset is purely from like a financial perspective and just based on my experiences working with clients over the years. And this is, I can't believe it, but this 2023 is my 20th anniversary. In, in my business. So I get, that's a long time. So I've got a lot of years behind me of, of working with people of different incomes and financial means and net worths and people of different mindsets with different problems and different <laughs> buses and different mindsets. So we're gonna talk today in, and actually it was Peter's idea to talk about different motivation of different types, intrinsic and mm-hmm. extrinsic motivations. So we'll get into that. And thank you for that idea. And I ran with it and wanted to like start with talking about different financial mindsets and maybe what causes them and it's different and they have their different ways of thinking about things and I just thought it would be good to start with that. So- I was thinking about the people I've worked with and met over the years and chatted with over the years. And I came up with, so different mindsets, right? There are some people that are very good at managing their personal finances. They pay close attention. They're very motivated, I guess, intrinsically. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but just naturally to have this ability to... To focus and save money and it's it's just innate in some people and then there's people that struggle with it and then there's everything in between right and and so i started thinking about the different types of people and the different types of mindsets and i think that upbringing can have a lot to do with it it's not everything but people's experiences early in life i've read about this often in over the years as well in, in the industry in industry publications and one of the things that you learn that I've learned over the years, or that's been recommended, is that one of the first things you should do when you meet someone, potential new client, or someone that you're analyzing their financial situation. One, one thing that can be very helpful to a professional, to an advisor, is understanding their experiences earlier on in life. Maybe not necessarily, well, their upbringing, but also their experiences like maybe, again, in their childhood, but also early adulthood. Like sometimes I'll meet people later in life and understanding what's happened to them and what they've been through earlier on can be very helpful in terms of helping them to move forward. So I was thinking about, and jump in anytime. I know I'm just, I could just, both you and I could just go for two hours and chat, which is Mm -hmm great for radio. But jump in we'll, any time, Peter. But go let ahead. me
0: build a little bit on what you already said. Yeah. So before you get too deep into the frame. You know, <laughs> before 30 minutes goes
1: yeah. by and you didn't yeah. get a let's, word in.
0: yeah. Let's back up for a second and say that we do have different, kind of different populations and yeah. yeah. folks we work with. Many of the folks you work with are folks either usually with money, wanting to do more with it yep. and better with it and manage it better. Yep. And many of the folks I work with generally have little money mm. and are not what I would call functional and like on top of their money. What I think is for true of both of us, and I go on with what you already said, come to recognize that people come to you or to me with a whole host of background attitudes about money, beliefs, disbeliefs, myths, all kinds of challenges. Some people are brought up, and I'm not trying to get too deep in psychology, but to recognize sometimes people have like dysfunctional views of money. There's adage money is evil money you should not want money or there's all kinds of baggage that okay. people come. yeah so th- what that means is for us not that we have to go deep into psych- psychology but that we're trying to take them from where they are they come into you in an office or in a, a session whatever and then help them get from point a to point b the only way you can do that is to have some better appreciation of some of their views and some of their attitudes toward money And then by at least addressing them to some degree, you can, I believe, often go much further with them. So for instance, a lot of the folks that I see, this is just a good example of my world, a lot of people are in denial. They spend, but they don't think about the consequences Mm -hmm. of it. And so therefore, their credit cards often go way up. Or they spend first, think later. Why? There's something behind that. somehow motivation is a very important element, I believe, of your world and mine, and that is this. How do you get people to continue to stick with the savings, or the investment, or the hard parts in life? Bumps come up, you say, oh, forget the whole thing, I'm not gonna save anymore. No, you gotta stick with it. Well, The the, the stock market goes up and down. You can't just simply say, it's down today, oh, forget the whole thing, this is lousy. No, if you're staying in it for the long term, But what is it that carries you through the high times and the low times? That's what I think is good conversation.
1: Yeah, I was thinking about people's upbringings and like early experiences in terms of them witnessing their parents either struggles or successes or their own inability to afford things or ability to afford more than most people. And I don't necessarily think that upbringing, I think your upbringing, your who you are and your personality and who you are innately, I think determines what you do with those experiences. So I was thinking about people I've met and over the years and there are, and again, you and I meet very different people. So it'll be interesting to get your take on this. But if I think about, it seems to me that people that were brought up with little means and little money to spend and maybe there's financial struggles earlier on in life, it seems to me that often breeds someone who is a modest for their life regardless of their own financial successes. I've met people that are pretty high income earners but they sp- they still spend very little money because that was just their upbringing, right? And but I can also think of people or situations where someone had maybe a similar upbringing like little me mm-hmm. and they were very young. And it can, I think it can also go the other way where then they will have yes. financial success themselves. And then maybe they turn into overspenders and over enjoyers. That's, I know that's not really a word, but that's, because they were lacking later and yeah. earlier in life. And then they're here I am and I'm just going to enjoy it now without really thinking mm-hmm. about the consequences. So I think that really you're, and we can talk about the other type of upbringing, but really that upbringing, what you do with it, how you react to it, I think really depends on you and who you are. And so I I don't think the upbringing itself, whether you had little money or an average amount of money or a lot of money, I don't necessarily think it determines your financial behavior later in life. It's how you interpret it, right? It's who you are, it's who
0: you are. So let's acknowledge a very positive part of both of our worlds and that's this. From this point on, right? people have choices people can learn people can explore learn change they have options and that's what helps me in my whole world yeah there's no matter who comes into me no matter what level or lack of level of money it's in one sense i certainly have to acknowledge that but it's really how do we make changes from this point on so i totally agree with what you just said that in the bell-shaped curve of people and lives and experiences, there are some people like the typical acknowledgement of your parents having come from depression times. That thinking, that attitude, as we've got to save, we've got to scrimp, we got to save rather than spend, we got to use everything over again. My parents used to keep the old thing. My my wife cringed at this, but when they would, when you cook bacon, they keep the fat in a can, yeah. and then the. F- be and then to stick that in this kind of semi-cool place in the back room wasn't refrigerated but we use that as kids for cooking other things like eggs or whatever that was our fat instead of butter because you were from the scrimping that mm. uh, times during the war and then other people i see the other side which is maybe as a reaction to having lack of money or whatever lots of people overspend yeah they think And there's all these things, source of happiness, my fulfillment, not happy until I spend and have 50 pairs of shoes. That's what's going to make me fulfilled. And it's kind of an endless cycle of thinking that's going to fulfill the pain or the make you happy. Or I've even seen other ones. Again, not to get too deep, but where husbands and wives punish each other. I'm going to spend more to get back at that person. I'm going to I'm going to spend because this is a weapon. It's a weapon of mass destruction here that can keep on spending and running up the credit cards. There's all kinds of motivation, and I think all I'm saying for all of us today is to have at least some recognition of it so that we can maybe acknowledge it yeah. and move on and recognize my audience of 20, 25 people in a the class, they're all coming from different areas. So yeah. I have to kind of be mindful of what we say and what we talk about won't be heard the same way on all 20 sets of years.
1: And I, and in a little bit, we'll get into different types of motivations and everyone's mm-hmm. different as their own financial problems and successes and mindsets. And we'll, a little bit later in the show, we're going to talk about ways to motivate people because yes. different mo- types of motivations will work for different people and different mindsets. So we're, I definitely want to get into that. And I expanded on some different ideas there. Just one, just one step further regarding upbringing. I and I'll to get your take on this as well. I can think of, it's, let's talk about people that have financially comfortable upbringings. It seems to me that could, again, b- breed two different types of adults. Mm-hmm. One could certainly be an entitled adult, right? You have a certain comfortable upbringing. Life is easier when finances are comfortable, when, right? When you're younger. And I think mm-hmm. that could breed entitlement and spend overspending and financial irresponsibility. But I also think that could breed, and I was trying to think of examples that I've come across over the year, over the years, but I think it can also breed like a desire to work hard and have the same successes and provide the same level of comfort to your family when you're an adult and can Mm -hmm. breed respect for your parents and how hard they most likely worked to provide that comfortable life. Mm -hmm. And I've met a lot of people over the years and not all wealth- and not all wealth is generated e- easily. And oftentimes no. it's not. Most people don't just inherit right. millions and millions of dollars and are financially comfortable. They work hard. Most people work hard for it. So yes. I think that a financially comfortable upbringing can also breed later on a grown adult that recognizes mm-hmm. hard work pays off financially. Often, maybe not always, but but yeah. often. So again, I think that your up whatever your upbringing is, I think it can go, it can it develop when adult either way someone that's responsible or irresponsible but again that's based on that person and who they are and how they react and make their own decisions based on their experiences
0: so again i totally agree so we could even go down to a scenario of different things in the past that say something like two kids raised in the same family and their wealthy family and their parents are well to do one kid may draw the conclusion, this is simple, this is easy. And the old adage, money grows on trees, thinking like, oh, money's just always around me and it comes to me and I just, I go outside and there's more money. That, th- then the other one might think and recognize it's internalizing a bit to begin to say, no, my, I see what my parents did to get to this point. And so there's a, it's almost like a different attitude or a different internalization of what they draw as conclusions from it. Yeah. So the second kid might very well recognize that to get money, you've gotta make it, mm-hmm. you've got to manage it, you've gotta keep it, you've gotta grow it. It's almost like a plant in a way. You gotta water it, you gotta nurture it, you gotta give it fertilizer, you gotta <laughs> put it in the sunshine yeah. and all these things you do, then the plant stays alive. Yeah. Versus oh I'll just get the plant and stick it in the cellar. It's not gonna last that long. <laughs> so it's yes the Upbringings are part of it, but then it really comes to you, the individual, what you do with it, yeah. how you think about it, the kinds of conclusions you draw from it. And I think that's where you, your world and my world start to come in. I'm helping to work, you're helping to work with people who whatever they've come from, they come to us wanting to move to some other next step. Yeah. So I can provide, we can provide education this is how you do it, this is what you do, but the whole trick of motivation is will they take the steps necessary? Yeah. There's a conundrum that I see so much in my world. I can teach people how to budget, but will they grab a sheet of paper and start to do it? Yeah. That That's the part that has always bugged me in the back of my world of trying to, I want to grab them and say, here, get a piece of paper and start writing. No, I can't make them. They have to want to do it internally.
1: Yeah. We'll talk about, we'll take a break here in a few minutes and we'll talk about ways to motivate people and, yes. and things like that and based on who they are and what they might respond to. But I just have to draw a parallel to my own life and my kids for a moment Ready? because I because it's just dawned on me that this is, this is exactly what we're talking about. So I have three daughters yeah. and I'm gonna use two of them as an example for a moment. And they're, these two that I'm talking about are very close in age. They're less than a year and a half apart. They've essentially had the same upbringing and they're being provided like the same life, right? Mm -hmm. Very different innately. Yes. And I have one daughter who is extremely, she's just, she's just like satisfied. She never wants anything more than what she's provided. She just doesn't need anything else. She never, she barely asks for anything. If I offer to buy her something, she doesn't want it. She's just, I don't know, I guess like a happy, easygoing, like she's just satisfied. She's not attracted to something Mm -hmm. new and she's not wasteful at all. And in fact, she gets upset with me when I spend money on something that she doesn't think we need or she needs. Good for her. I know. And I'm like, where did she? Yeah. And then I have another daughter, again, very close in age, same upbringing, who's the total opposite. Always wants more. Mm-hmm. Than what she's being provided, and I provide them quite a comfortable light. They're not lacking in anything. I try, of course, not yeah. to spoil them, but they're not lacking anywhere. But she just always wants something else. Always wants something new. Asks for her Christmas list is the longest. <laughs> and my <laughs> other daughter asked for a toothbrush, literally. And but they're ju- I, and it just don't like. This is exactly what we're talking about. People are just they're going. To res- with without me trying to educate and teach and help they without me trying to again help them and educate them as they become adults mm-hmm. they would respond to their upbringing in very different mm-hmm. ways and yes. but one of the things we'll talk about today education and motivation and I'll have a constant struggle with that second daughter regarding having conversations about addressing that because I don't want her to be that impulsive overspender, want more, more, never satisfied. That can lead to generally would lead to financial irresponsibility and maybe inability to save. And whereas Mm -hmm. my other daughter just seems like she'll just naturally be someone that doesn't spend much and saving Mm -hmm. will be easier for her, but we'll talk about, but I just think that's interesting that there people are different and they'll respond to things very differently. All right, we'll take a break and then we're gonna get into different types of motivations and how people will of different financial mindsets will respond to different things, hopefully anyway. That's our goal in life, literally. So I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm joined this morning by Peter Mullen with American Consumer Credit Counseling. Peter's been on the show several times. We always have great, lively conversations. We're talking today about financial mindset. We did some analysis. We're gonna talk about some different types of motivation and the ways that, that we can help people. We are just taking a break. We'll be right back. And we're back. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Good morning, everyone. I'm joined this morning by Peter Mullen with American Consumer Credit Counseling. Good morning again, Peter. Good morning, Alyssa. Thanks for being here. We're talking about financial mindsets today and we'll get into motivations here momentarily, different ways, different types of motivation and ways to motivate people Mm. of different types and personalities and financial mindsets. I'll get into motivation in one second, I promise. But I just wanted to sum up what we were talking about regarding different financial mindsets because I think this will come up as we talk about motivation. So I boiled it down to... (coughs) I guess three different mindsets. And again, I'm not a I'm not a psychologist or a medical professional of any type, but this is just based on my experience. It seems to me that there are people that are when it comes to financial mindsets anyway, it, like innately financially responsible or like innately satisfied and not wanting Of more. And I think those people would naturally fall into the category of it's easier for them to save and accumulate wealth throughout their life because they won't be attracted to or they won't be as likely to spend too much or more than they should if they want to save and reach XYZ financial goal. And then there's people that are like just naturally attracted to. They're consumers. They're they're the typical American consumer. They're attracted to everything that's new. They think that it will satisfy them in some way, and maybe it does. And and those people that want more, attracted to different things and new things, and always looking for something else to I don't know satisfy them or whatever. Um, I think those people would be more likely to have a harder time being financially responsible because they're more likely to overspend and have a harder time saving because they're more attracted to immediate gratification than maybe goal setting long term. And they'll have a harder time being patient, which in general is, a, is good financial practice and behavior. And then I think there's maybe a third category of people that are, I'm trying to say this without like offending anyone, but just lack of understanding. I didn't want to use the, I wrote down the word oblivious, but I didn't mean that. And that comes off as judgmental, but that's not what I, I just think there are people that don't, I don't know, either don't pay attention or maybe just don't understand numbers and money and or, and or maybe they think they won't understand it. So they just ignore it. And I think that maybe is a third category of people that just, they don't know, right? They're not that they're not educated, but they're not educated in this regard in terms of financial responsibility. Or, and maybe that can layer over the first two categories anyway. But that's how I'm boiling down different mindsets and different financial personalities. Let's call it that. Oh, I like that word actually, yeah.
0: Yeah, I would add on to what you say. I don't know if there's two or three or four different types out there. Here's what I do see is some commonalities, and that is if people don't make the connection that money comes from the work that you do, and if they're disconnected from the cause effect, and they think that just money is forever the spigot is always on and i can just spend not making i think a life connection and that's and it's probably a challenge for people that grew up with lots and lots of money that it may be that they have to recognize that really to have this continue there's part of my the equation for me is like i said before you have to manage it keep it grow it you got to do lots of things and uh, to help make it keep on coming and the people who've had scarcity Maybe there's some degree to which they recognize that this is something that I have to do. So they start with little and they grow from there. I like the whole idea of your first daughter of, and this is, I think, the sweet spot of finding what level of satisfaction you have. That And it would even go further. I'm a Zen. I like Zen and I like all those kinds of things, which I believe in terms of finding that internal fulfillment is the place we got to get to. What that means for each of us, what we're willing to do to get there, how we get there, therein lies all the different kinds of financial pathways people yeah. can take. Yeah. And each one has to find their own thing. Let me just give one other last example. And that is that you recognize that with all this we've saying, look at the difference of some folks who want money and then win the lottery. As an example, they very well, it's often proven that within two or three years, they often are broke. Yeah. They haven't had, Back to the things we've said, there's not they're not a bad person. It's just a matter that they don't have the, the discipline with that money, the overall thinking of just how best to manage this, how to deal with this. And maybe they're not, and this is what I would say from my world, is I want people to think before you spend. Many folks I deal with, I think, spend first and think later. And I'm always trying to get people so that during life yeah. education, patterns, habits, all kinds of things to try to get people to have a realistic view that money is a limited resources, resource. It's not an unlimited resource. Yeah. And you play a part in keeping it, retaining it, and growing
1: it. You were the one that came up with the idea for the discussion regarding the different types of motivations, extrinsic and intrinsic motivation. I think that was based on some reading that you had done. So why don't you, I have some thoughts on that. And of course, want to elaborate on all of that. But do you want to set the stage there in terms of the reading that you've been done in this regard and what that means? I had to, of course, I had to Google it and was like defining those things and all that. But I understand it, but (laughs) took a little time. (laughs) <laughs> go ahead.
0: I know you do. Yeah. Okay. So let me first give credit to, again, one of my favorite authors, Tim Hamm. I've, always, I've often mentioned him in the past. So he has an article that came out maybe three years ago about extrinsic versus intrinsic motivation. So let me tell you the general thought. Yeah. The general thought is this. For people to start to want to go down the pathway of doing things, and let's pick an example. Let's pick an example that everyone relates to often is trying to get exercise and trying to be buffed and to try to be lose weight and all this at this time of year, right? They all go out and buy themselves a nice bike and all this and all that. But that's often extrinsic, which simply means they're motivated by things on the outside. And so an example might be an extrinsic motivation for somebody might be to see a picture and put it on their mirror or on the refrigerator of a person who's really buffed with a six-pack ab and the really looks good and tanned and all that type of stuff. And they really, they've lost weight and all this. So that might be the extrinsic to begin to see on the outside what you need to do and what you're trying to aim for. So that's often how people start. People often start with the extrinsic the, so, the social part that <clears throat> I'm trying to do this to impress others. I'm doing this because of other people. I'm reading, I'm learning, I look at the charts. These are the things that are driving me to want to do it. So that's the extrinsic side, which is a good start. There's nothing wrong with that. But eventually what has to happen, and this is where a lot of people fall off, you need the intrinsic part, intrinsic motivation to continue along the path. So an example being again with exercise, in the first month, you're there. You're on that bicycle pumping away. But then come February, come March, there's times when you don't feel like it. Your emotions or your time or other things get in the way. So what is it that carries you through? What is it that keeps you working at exercise or saving for that matter, even in the tougher times? That's the intrinsic part. And we can give some ideas today as we talk about ways to start building the extrinsic for financial success. And then eventually some intrinsic. There's ways to counter these things. They're not impossible. They're all doable. Yeah. It's a matter of yes, at some point you have to face and this is a word I like a lot. And I got learned this from my wife. Is some level of grit that you are willing to fight through the challenges that face you. And so we did grow up, you mentioned your two daughters, Well, my wife and I grew up really differently, both in relatively low middle-class households, but she she grew up always being very cautious with money, very cautious and very limited in what she had. And I tended to grow up a little bit later on with, oh, don't worry about it, let's just buy it. Don't worry about it, let's just buy it. And somehow the two of us have survived 40 years that we make it work, but we both learn Mm -hmm. from each other.
1: explanation of the difference between intrinsic and extrinsic that I found was intrinsic motivation involves doing something because it's personally rewarding to you. Extrinsic motivation Mm -hmm. involves doing something because you want to earn a reward or avoid a punishment. Mm -hmm. Sounds to me like, and I understand, I heard what you just said about trying to convert people so that they, it sounds to me like some people are just born with it and some aren't but the people i don't know if that's true or not i'm that's just me responding to that but the but it but that we could the people that aren't born with that intrinsic motivation or don't develop it early in life i guess maybe not born with it is maybe that's not the right expression but people that don't develop that intrinsic motivation earlier in life hopefully could develop it with education with different types of motivations yeah. l- later on or before it's too late and actually we and we have some ideas about that today yeah I, I- again
0: i don't know about and i'm cautious about trying to say born with it or born i sounds like i don't know innate things i'm trying to just recognize the fact and let's again look at the i think the positive for everything we're saying today no matter what you are brought up in let's flip it another way there's ways for you to develop a view about money an attitude about money way her working with money a relationship with money a healthy relationship with money yeah Do what? And that's another thought that what does it mean to have a healthy relationship with money? It's all in the way you look at it, the way you make it, the way you recognize what it can and can't do for you. It's not unrealistic. Buying a bunch of shoes or clothes is going to make me happy. Buying that brand new car is really all I've ever needed and wanted. Once I buy the car, I'm going to be fulfilled. The reality is in life and in humans, that's probably not true. So eventually, here's an example of where... I think success begins to come that you start to swap the buzz you get the buzz and that's internal the buzz you get with a new car instead of money in the jar. How do you like that one? I just made that up. <laughs> having some money in the jar, a new car versus money in the jar. When, you, truly jars feel good, <laughs> yeah. when you actually look at twenties, yeah. a bunch of twenties sitting in the jar because you've saved it and you feel good about it, you're on your road to savings. If you can't get any excitement or get yeah. nothing for you and all you really enjoy and look for and believe in is new stuff, new phone, new iPhone, new, new watch, new Apple this, new computer, new car. Then pursuing, hate to say it, a lifestyle that's very hard to sustain because you're a consumer. Yeah. buying, And unless you're ready, willing really to do the other part of it, which you can do. Also hard work making money, investing your money, getting money from your investments, having your investments earn money, all that in addition, if you're willing to do ready and willing to do both sides, I don't have an awful lot of problem with that. But what I do see in my world is that some people that will and some people that won't. Some people are stuck on the spending equation only. And unfortunately, credit cards are there to enable them to spend far beyond what they make. So I know we have this later in our outline, but it's rule number one in my world and your world. You've got to make more than you spend or spend less than you make. Yeah. It's like a rule number one. And if you can't deal with that rule that I spend whatever, regardless of what I make, then you're a candidate for getting into deep debt.
1: Yeah. I wanted to talk about different ways to motivate people, but before I started thinking about that, I had to back up and define what are the problems? Like what do we have to, you and I as professionals, what do we have to, what would we like to motivate people to do or what problems are we trying to help them solve? Because different people have different financial problems and successes of course. So, I could think of what is this five different things that we would mo- help motivate people to address in their financial life. One, clearly, overspending, quite common. I actually think another one is underspending. And that might not be like a problem in the traditional sense, but there are a lot of people that sort of scrimp and save for their life and accumulate quite a wealth, but they can't spend it because of their mindset. And again, that's yeah. not like a, that's not a problem, but it's yeah. me as a professional is something that I would address for in certain situations and maybe motivate some people or help to them, mo- help them, help to motivate them for that. So I added that one in. Um, <laughs> I, I think I'm an investment professional. So I came yeah. up with, investing appropriately or investing at all. I think mm-hmm. some people have money to that could be invested, but they're uncomfortable or it's invested completely inappropriately for their situation and just mm-hmm. investment sort of strategy is a is an issue that w- that we could people to change. Also think not like impatience or not thinking long term, i.e. Mm-hmm. not goal setting, is a problem mm-hmm. for a lot of people. Not many people goal set earlier in life and we can get into, or I want to get into in mm-hmm. a little bit importance of starting to think about stuff early in life, starting to make mm-hmm. financial plans early in life, because it's much easier mm-hmm. you over the gray, over the, over your lifetime, it's much easier for you to achieve goals. If you give yourself a long period of time during which to work toward that goal, I think uh, certainly a very common issue is not thinking about or make or goal setting for yourself financially early in life, just not top of mind. And I think I I could go on for 30 minutes about that, about why that is lack of education in our society, et cetera, et cetera, consumer driven society, all that. Okay, I'll stop, I'll stop. I could go on quite a tangent with that. And then I guess, and then the last one that was four, and then the last sort of problem or thing that we would motivate people to change is, and you alluded to it earlier, not implementing like someone yes. that makes a plan or they receive a recommendation from someone but they can't implement or they don't implement for whatever reason. I those were the 5 that I came up with overspending, spending, underspending, inappropriate investment strategy, not thinking long-term or goal setting and not implementing plans mm-hmm. that are made or recommendations that are made and then I and then I'll stop there for comments, but then I want to go forward and start thinking about ways that we can motivate people to address these Mm -hmm. different problems. And I came up with, I don't know, four or five or six different ways that we can elaborate on to to help Mm -hmm. motivate people in these areas. Can you think of any other things that people would require motivation for in the world of personal finance?
0: First of all, I like your list. And again, I'm here to be Point, counterpoint. So (laughs) I would say that I agree out of four out of the five.
1: (laughs) Let me guess which one you don't like. Um, Underspending, let me guess. In my
0: experience with the many folks that I work with all throughout Boston, New England, and really now America, because we now, with the advent of Zoom and so on, my clients literally in all cities all around the United States. Because Zoom, you can be with anyone, anywhere, anytime, right? So what I do see is certainly the everything except number two overspending is big overspending yeah. people lot well, some people can't turn that off There's some for something and i don't know what that is it's almost when i don't want to go back to innate or whatever i'll just say that where they're i'm assuming where their happiness is where their fulfillment is when their belief in their self-image is where their beliefs and all these other kind of things because it's what is their motivation they keep spending and X doesn't matter how much in debt they are. I'll jump to the third one. You had overspending in two. I don't see that as much underspending. I don't see that as much. But then again, I could see that's because someone has a frugal lifestyle. Yeah, It's not necessarily a bad thing, but I don't see it as much. I tend to see people yeah. that yeah. have little to deal with and don't have enough. The third one, investing appropriate. I think that does come up. And what I see, which is interesting enough, and I like it actually, but I know that it's, it has to be managed. I have people that are barely making a couple thousand dollars and they have a 100 or 200 left over per month. Right. And to me, what I'll say, what are your goals? What are your goals? I want to buy a house. Okay, well, good. I'm with you on that. But if you have only 200 left over each month, it's going to take us a little while before we, we yeah. get a house. Yeah. So thinking and some of them will say where do i invest my money should i get Peter? Yeah. should i get a bitcoin gold oh yeah, gosh yeah. do it and i like to try to say to them there's a little bit of an, an order of operations here you need to take care of of these other things first get to that level where your basic life monthly expenses are taken care of get to that level of comfort whatever that might be that level of satiation or satisfaction and then with the excess money you can start to make investment decisions, which I fully encourage. Just your homework, find out, and don't be led down the first thing you on the internet because there's lots of people out there willing to suck your money away. Not thinking long-term, absolutely agree with that one, that many people think, and this is problematic, think just for today, the money in my pocket today, yeah. the money in my wallet today, and you've got to get beyond that. The whole concept of saving, investing, and being successful is helping you to think beyond this month, beyond this year, beyond the next few years, so that you're utilizing your money in a way that something is put aside. It's the old concept of, and I love, I'll go back to what has been done for so many years, the concept of tithing, the concept of 10%. That's mm-hmm. a good, there, there's something deep in this yeah. thing going on for yeah. thousands of years yeah. that to think beyond today is that's in a way what tithing is, 10%. And to if you did follow that, you are setting yourself up better, I believe, for success because you are putting something away. And I like this example of, I've used this before in my my some of my classes, the whole idea of seed corn. Now, you plant corn, you use the corn, you make corn muffins, you grow all the things, your popcorn, all the things you do. But what if the farmers used up all their corn for this season? And nobody kept aside seed corn. What's seed corn? The seeds you need Mm. to get next year's crop going. So it's, again, that's another kind of a thinking and perspective of it. So that you need to be saving for the next year and following years. And the last one, and this is key, I say this all the time in my sessions, is not implementing or not acting. I can sit here and tell you and your listeners and all the folks I work with all about how to save, how to budget, how to make your credit scores go up how to do all these things, but it takes some action on your part. You've got to do something. You've got to set up an account or you've got to, you've got to write it down or you've got to set some goals. If you leave this class and you don't do anything, then we haven't achieved anything. So you've got to implement. And even if you make a mistake, implement, experiment, try, learn from it and try again.
1: Yeah. You mentioned one of, the, one of the bigger issues, I think probably one of the biggest issues that I see anyway is people not thinking long-term and mm-hmm. not goal-setting. And I think you mentioned people think about just today, which I think for many people is true. But I think that even the people that are thinking a year or two or three out, which I think is pretty common, people can think that far ahead, but that's still not really long enough right? Even the people that can plan for a year or two out, mm-hmm. in my opinion, to, to really achieve financial security later in life, even thinking out a year or two isn't long enough because you could be thinking out a few mm-hmm. years, allocating X funds for home down payment, like you're that person you were chatting with, for yes. example. And but that's yeah. not big enough. You, you have to think very big right from the start or thinking big and thinking very long term, very young mm-hmm. in life is in yes. my opinion, the, your best chance or the best opportunity to achieve financial success later on because it's yeah. easier to, it's much easier. We can do all sorts of calculations, but it's much easier to save $200,000, yes. $800,000, 2000000 million over 40 years than it is over five years. That's, you can't argue that. I totally agree
0: that yes, if possible, it's great to have time working with you and not have time working against you. Yeah. So if you're 17, 18, 19 starting to do some things, that's far easier to build up something rather than starting at fifty seven, mm-hmm. fifty eight. You don't your time horizon is different. And of course there's you're introducing this concept of compounding. And time and learning and many other things that even the stock market. Just looking at that as an example, and I don't generally go down the investment route, but we do know that historically, over 40 years, even with all its ups and downs, up ups and downs, its return an average of around whatever eight, nine, ten percent over 40 years. Yeah. So you just jump in and jump. Timing the market is not generally considered good, but it's the length of time that does assist in the. Old- all growth here so yes but here's the challenge okay let's now talk reality how many 17 18 year olds are thinking about retirement
1: not many yeah not many but maybe 25 let's start with 25 okay. we don't need to go as young right. as 17 yes. 18 okay yeah. but maybe that okay but yeah. here's
0: the thing that also is a challenge and i just noticed this in my world there's so many expenses that a let's just say yeah. 20 years old, yep. is that we need to face at that age where i think before they're ready They're about ready to face college, an apartment, maybe babies, maybe a car, maybe a house, maybe to do things that every one of these are heavy expenses and they need to be better equipped, I believe with education, with advice, with long-term thinking, not simply just going out and buying something today. Like a good example, it does happen with education. People without thinking of the future, by these fifty thousand a year tuitions, not recognizing ten years from now, you're gonna be saddled with debt and unable to buy a house because of it.
1: You're preaching to the choir here. Yep, I get, I hear you. All right, we're going to take a break in a minute, but I, after the break, I want to get into some different types of motivations. And again, I like to I yes. like to boil things down and simplify and categorize and be organized about it. So I broke down yes. different types of motivations in terms yes. of like proof and validation, success stories, fear, social pressures. I want to get into that and elaborate yes. on those categories after the break. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, joined this morning by, excuse me, Peter Mullen with American Consumer credit counseling. We're talking about financial mindsets today and motivations for people. New Year, a good time to do that. New Year's resolutions type show, but financial mindset analysis and motivation is what we're talking about this morning. We're just taking a quick break. We'll be right back.